Let's do it. Thanks for listening. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And right now is the perfect time to call in. That's right. You call right now. We'll have plenty of time to get your questions answered thoroughly for you. That's right. Should you happen to think of something after we go off the air at right, 11 o'clock? Right. Because when we go off the air, we're off. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can always visit the website and get your questions answered there. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A G C O. AUTO.com. There's a contact bar on every page. Send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and using the form on the site. Yeah, that's very important. I know a lot of times folks will send a question or whatever. I'll reply and then they'll reply back to that, and I'm just not going to get that. Particularly, sometimes if you send it the same day, I might get it, but most times if you send it the next day, I'm not ever going to get that because we've got software that screens those out because folks will save our email to their address box and stuff like that, and then we start getting so much junk mail, right? Right. So you do need to fill in a new form each and every time that you send something if you want me to receive it. Otherwise, I just won't get it, and that way, obviously, I can't guess guess any follow-up questions you might have. So be sure to use a fresh form each and every time to contact. That way, it will come straight to me. There you go, and you should get an answer back. back. That's Mm -hmm. what I was looking for. Within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. There's also three databases you can search on the site. More than likely, what you're looking for is already on the site. There's the vehicle questions, which is a short, to-the-point answer to a particular question. Right. I think 985 of those in there now. Bumping on 1,000. Yeah, I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the detailed topics, which is a much more in-depth article about a certain topic. Right. It'll give you all the why, where, any information that you might want to know about the topic. How put, things work. I put one on there this morning that I've been talking about for a long time. I finally got it all pieced together on driving for better fuel mileage. And I think that's pretty top of mind for most folks with the price of gas, what it is. People are trying to save money. And it's funny to me, but people will go out and spend $40,000 for a new car to save four miles to five miles to the gallon. They'll buy all sorts of gadgets and gizmos that do absolutely no good at all. But the biggest factor is the driver, the Correct. way you drive the car. Correct. And you can easily save four to five miles to the gallon just by changing your driving style. That's right. You can take two different drivers and put them in the same vehicle and get two different mileages out of them. And what a lot of people don't realize is that vehicles today learn the way you drive. I've noticed that. And now I'm glad you brought that up. My son has been driving my mm-hmm. truck for about the last two weeks. Right. I got in it the other day, and it wasn't running like I remember it running. Right, that's right. Well, it had learned the way he drives. That's correct. So, if you get in and aggressively drive a vehicle for one day, it's, it's probably going to – well, it's going to make power. It's going right. to move that's the shift points up. It's going to do all sorts of things to make more power because that's what the drivers want. Correct. And it may take as much as two to three weeks to learn – the other style, again, when you come back. So you get in there and aggressively drive the vehicle for a day or two. Well, when you come back, it's not going to just automatically relearn. It takes just an average. It has to relearn that. It learned the aggressive style simply because it was such a departure from what you had. Correct. But when you start averaging back in much of what you had in the past, it's going to just kind of blend on in there. So it may take quite a while to learn and go back to a normal driving style. So it can affect your fuel mileage for at least a week. Right. So – Good article. You might want to go in there and read it. It tells you all about that. I know on I drive a Chevy pickup truck with a six-cylinder engine, and just by changing my driving style, I was averaging about 15 miles to the gallon in town, and I've got that up to almost 20 now. 
get out. Yeah. And, of course, I don't go on the highway with it, so I don't know what the highway miles would be. But right. uh, five miles a gallon different just in a change of driving style. That, and, like I said, that, that's staying on it and watching it real, real close. Right. But, yeah, I, I've got as much fun. And if you think about it, things like just driving a couple of miles an hour slower on the interstate is a huge, huge difference. I did a calculation on the for the article, and I took the difference between driving 68 and driving 70. Uh-huh. Now, on a 500-mile trip, going 68 miles an hour is going to delay you 15 minutes in 500 miles. A whole 15 minutes. That's right. Huh? But it's going to save the equivalent of about a dollar a gallon in fuel. That's great. Yeah. You're griping about having to pay four bucks a gallon? Well, that's Slow what down it down to three. <laughs> <laughs> tons and tons of good articles on there. All sorts of information. www.agcoauto.com. Pop on there. See what you think. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. Jim, good morning, Jim. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Oh, it's been a while since I listened to you guys. Oh, man. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, look, you saved me a lot of money before. Okay. I'll tell you that. All right. But listen, this 2002 Buick Grand Sport giving me problems so far as the air conditioner is concerned. Okay. I have about 180,000 miles on okay. it. It runs like a top. Yes, sir. Following your advice. Mm-hmm. When I hit a bump, the air conditioner come on. Okay. <laughs> and hit another bump, it goes off. Hit another bump, it goes yeah, off. Yeah, now when you say it's going off, Jim, you mean it quits blowing? It stops blowing. Yeah, Jim, that is almost always the wire that goes into the blower motor is burn, is going to be burned. And All right. what causes that wire to burn is that the blower motor itself is going bad and it's starting okay. to draw too much amperage. And All right. so it kind of toasts that connection a little bit, and it gets loose. And when you hit a bump, it'll make, and you hit another bump, and it'll break. Now, if you check that connection, and that's not it, there's also a blower resistor module. Hold it. You said enough. I'm bringing it to you. Okay. Uh, and, and those do exactly the same thing. Zip, crash, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> It's not like telling me to change those dogs on coils. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it gets a little involved. Yeah, it, it's not hard to check. It won't take very All long right. to find. All right. We'll be done. Okay, Jim. I'll bring it to you. Sounds great, man. Take care now. Yes, sir. All right, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. You need to have a cell phone, and that's a free call just in case you're outside the area. There won't be any long-distance charges attached to that. There you go. At least in this local area. I don't know about <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works further on out. Yeah, I got an email gentleman yesterday from Perth, Australia. Yes. So he listens to our podcast. And, of course, I don't know if he hit his cell phone, if it would make it or not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> It might. You never it know. Might, you never know. <laughs> a lot of folks who do listen to the podcast, they say, well, you know, I wish I could talk to you live on the radio. And, and certainly you can. You just have to make a few little calculations. Whatever time zone you're in, calculate that to Central Standard Time. Correct. And, which is, you know, pretty simple. I think you should just subtract an hour if you're on the east coast or add a couple of hours if you're on the west coast and then you can call in you know two two five two nine one up well but give that, that code number. Say. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and call the station and and they will put you on list and that way we can talk to you live correct correct and uh, we really appreciate hearing from you but you're right on straight on in there i was thinking earlier this week we had a gentleman come in and he had a set of old tires on his car okay and one of them had blown out, and he hadn't bought them that long ago. He had bought them about three years ago, but the tires were about, I want to say, eight years old. So they'd been sitting on a shelf somewhere. For about you know. five years before he got them. Right. 
And he said, well, I'd never heard of that. He said, why don't you ever talk about that on the show? I said, well, we have talked about that (laughs) many, many times. And 60 Minutes did a real big expose on that, and that's available on the Internet. If you go and type in, like, old tire video or something to that effect, you'll find the 60-minute piece that was done. Right. Pretty interesting. They had a fellow whose son graduated from high school, and he and his friend wanted to take a little trip. And so they took off in the Jeep, went up to Canada, and horribly enough, the next day he gets a call from a state trooper. He says, I've got some bad news for you. He says, oh, my God. He says, my son, okay. He says, I'm sorry. Him and his friend were killed. Right. He said, my God, what happened? Well, the tire blew out while they were driving 70 miles an hour, lost control of the Jeep and killed them both. Okay. And they started doing a little investigation, and he had bought these tires two, three years ago, but they were old when he bought them. Gotcha. So extremely, extremely dangerous situation, and that is tires that are more than six years old. Tires do have a life other than just the tread. You can look at the tread. They may look just fine. We had a set come in the other day that they looked great. Yeah. But they were right at six years old. That's right. And I know... There's probably somebody out there say, well, i got a set of six-year-old tires, and they last, right. and they're fine. Okay, that's fine. Right. And I know guys that run into burning buildings sometimes. They come right back out. And some don't. But I ain't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to do something that is dangerous, you know, not only to me and my family, but to the family of the people driving the other way on the highway. Because if that tire blows out and I slide across that center line and kill a family of three, I just ain't going to be able to live with that. Oh, I understand. Even if I make it. So, Very, very, very important topic, I think. And what happens very often is we see folks who don't drive their car very often. They maybe have an eight, nine-year-old car, but it's only got 30,000 miles. Tires still look real good on it. Right. But they're old. And that's when you're going to start having trouble with it. So something to watch out for. I'll tell you, we're going to talk about that just a little bit more and anything else you might want to talk about. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Well, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, what, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Rain, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? Got all our lines wide open. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we're talking a little bit about old tires and stuff like that. And, of course, first thing a lot of folks say is, well, how do I know how old my tires are? Right. And it's very, very simple. There is going to be a number on one side of the tire. There's going to be a DOT number on both sides. Right, but the but age the will full, only be on one. <laughs> right. The full DOT is only going to be on one side. That's correct. And it's usually the side with the raised white letter if right. it's available. The in side that. that was meant to go out. Correct. But sometimes folks 
full buy a set of tires and maybe they don't like raised white letters or they don't want white walls or whatever, and so they maybe mount it to the inside. Turned around. Correct. A little more inconvenient. You have to look under the car. But if you find that number that starts with the capital letters D-O-T, of course that stands for Department of Transportation, then it's going to have several letters and numbers and so forth as that. Go to the very end of the number, and the last four digits should be the week and the year the tire was made. Like, for instance, if it's 0111, it would be the first week of 2011. Man, if now, you, if you ha- got a 10-year-old tire. <laughs> I was just fixing to say, if you happen to find a tire that only has three digits, right. then that you're looking at way a, gone. <laughs> a 10, 11-year-old tire. Right, because prior to that, they only had three digits, and then, of course, when they went to the year 2000, they went to four digits. Correct. So that basically anything with three digits would not even be worth considering. Correct. (laughs) But that's a particularly problematic thing on, like, motor homes and travel trailers. Things that don't move very very much. you got a set of ten-ply tires, and maybe there's six of them on there, or even eight of them, or ten of them, or however many you got on your vehicle, and you use your motor home... I guess as much as most people, it's maybe a couple thousand miles a year. Right. So after six years, those tires probably only have twelve to 15,000 miles on a set of 10 to 12-ply tires. Man, they look like brand new, and they are expensive. Oh, yeah. But the other option is a tire blowing out on you on between here in Colorado somewhere and on the side of the road in Kansas. <laughs> if you're lucky, you're if on you're the lucky, side of the road. Yeah, that's all that happens to you. If it blows out at 70 miles an hour, who knows what's going to happen or going up pike's peak somewhere that little, <laughs> that little narrow road where you can look down you can't see the bottom <laughs> so just something to be aware of and i've had people say well i'm just gonna take the risk well that's fine but you can't take that risk for all the other people on the road exactly at very least you'll be inconvenienced yeah on the side of the road that's the least that's gonna happen to you but at the most and you're talking about a major traffic accident that's right lives are involved mm-hmm possessions are involved right so lives and property about, that's a lot of risk a lot to of take. responsibility and I know that the way our society is geared, a tire blows out, it causes a mishap, and you can say, well, it was an accident, and da-da-da-da, but we're getting to the point where, you know, with all the lawyers and all they've got, is that going to always be considered an accident? In other words, if you intentionally drove your car with old tires and it blew out, they may, it may go on a little bit beyond just an right. accident. Correct. And you know, I'm not saying it should be that way. I'm not saying it will be that way. I'm just saying with the way laws are going nowadays. That's kind of. <laughs> you took the risk. You think, yeah. <laughs> you, you get out there and hurt somebody or cripple somebody up. You don't know what's going to happen. I know there was a lady in Texas who, of all things, had a Ford Explorer. And she went to a tire store and she wanted three new tires. And she wanted to put her spare, which was brand new in her eyes, on uh-huh. the vehicle in service. Uh-huh. But the tire was, I think, seven or eight years old. It was brand new. It had never been used, but it was seven or eight years old. It had been hanging on the back of that Explorer for that long. Right. So the tire store did what she said. They put the old tire on there along with the three new tires. And she takes off down the road, and not that day, but soon thereafter, the tire blows out. The vehicle flips over. It breaks her neck, and she is now quadriplegic for life. Well, her attorneys turned around and sued the tire store, the tire manufacturer, and Ford Motor Company. Okay. And, of course, Ford Motor Company had the deepest pockets, so they once paid the lion's share of the deal. But right. her argument was, this was a brand-new tire. I had no way to know it wasn't safe. So Ford Motor Company's policy is now six years, all five tires come off the vehicle, period. Gotcha. That's Ford's policy. And if you bring your car into a Ford dealer and expect them to – 
repair a flat or rotate your tires and are six years old, you may have a surprise. Because that's the, the first thing you're going to do is they're going to check the date on it. That's right. And, and I know it's older. Agco, we do the same thing. As soon as they roll in the door, we check the dates on all the tires. In fact, I've got the tire guy that delivers them now. Mm-hmm. He tells me what the dates are when they hit the floor. Because <laughs> he knows if they're, if they're over a year old, That's they're right. going back. They're going right back because I'm not putting short-dated tires on a customer's car. They paid for a new tire. Exactly. They didn't pay for a four-year-old tire. Exactly. But you'd be surprised how many places don't do that. And it's just a big old issue, so that's why I just wanted to kind of go into it a little bit in depth here today. Right. Just so people are aware of it. At least you, if you're aware of it, you can kind of help, halfway protect yourself. Let's go to the phone lines. We have Gary online. Good morning, Gary. Hey, I found all those DOT numbers on my tire, mm-hmm. except, okay. for, except for one. And the DOT, the characters are not for numbers. All right, you have to look on the other side of the tire. Right. That tire is going to be it's mounted, mounted inside. Yeah, it's, it's mounted with the inside to the inside of the car rather than to the outside. It, the, the date will only be on one side of the tire. So the, the last four will be a number. The DOT is on both sides of the tire, but right. the date code's only on one side. Okay, all right. Well, so, that makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah you, you be a have little, to climb little difficult. It. you got to climb or, or talk one of the neighborhood kids into climbing in the car <laughs> and, and give you the last four numbers off of there. And like I said, the first two of the last four will be the week. And then the last two will be the year. So let's say you see 5310, that's the 53rd week of 2010 is the way yeah. it's read. I got you. Well, all, right. all of them are good except for that one, so I'm going to have to find out. Thank yeah. you so much. All righty, ma'am. Thank all you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? And you know something we didn't mention just now? Mm-hmm. She should also check the spare. Yeah, check because your spare. The spare is going to be probably as old as the vehicle if it hasn't been in service before. Right, and it's going to be at least as old as the vehicle or, or who knows. Now, the thing is with a spare, I get that question a lot. Should I replace my spare in six years also? The answer to that just depends on how responsible you are as an individual. If you realize this is a spare tire, this tire is old, it is to get me from point A to point B. It's not to put on the car, get on the interstate, and drive 70 miles an hour. Right. Then you could probably live with it. Of course, in this day and age, you can't hardly give advice like that anymore just because somebody's going to get on there and drive 80 miles an hour and blow it out. And <laughs> yeah, no telling what's going to happen. Yeah, so if you are a responsible person and you realize this is a spare tire, it is only to be used as a spare tire, and everyone who, who operates this car realizes that, then, yeah, you could probably use it as a spare tire because uh, it's going to hold up to get you to point A to point B. Well, it'll get you from where you're stranded to get you a new tire to put back on At the At a reasonable rate of speed. Correct. But I, you, you won't believe how many trunks I've opened to check the air pressure uh-huh. and the dates 10, 12 years old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how many of them are flat? <laughs> a lot of them are flat. Yeah, vast majority. That's one of the things we do whenever we do a general inspection or we do a trip check or any of that. One of the things we always do is check the air in the spare tire because you're going to find out that that spare tire is flat at the absolute worst possible time for you to know that. Exactly. When you need it. <laughs> when you're so, sitting, standing on the side of the other state. In the rain. In the rain, August, 90 degrees, with a business suit on. You. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Rush hour traffic. Exactly. <laughs> Bad enough you got a flat, now you don't have a spare. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you might want to keep an eye on that. You know, one last thing on this topic while we're on the topic, too, is the valve stem. Right. you got to watch those valve stems will also give you trouble. Back a few years ago, there was a whole parcel of Chinese valve stems that came into the United States. I remember that. And several of the companies that are considered reputable companies bought these things, put them in people's tires, 
And there's at least one fatality they've traced to it. A fellow in Florida that was killed, valve stem blew out, tire went flat, right. car flipped over and killed him. But they recalled, I don't know, several million of these valve stems. Now, whether or not they all got changed out, I don't uh, know. I don't know if we'll ever know. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there. But if you take the valve stem, and there's an article on the website called Dangerous Valve Stems. So just which, type in valve stem right. in the search bar? Right, and it's going to bring you right to that article. It shows you pictures and all that kind of stuff. But you can kind of push on that valve stem. If you see any deep cracks in it, dry rot cracks in it, you got to change that also. And Correct. most tire companies will replace the valve stems when they change tires, unless you've got a modern-day car with the tire pressure monitoring system, in which case the valve stem is part of the sensor, so right. you don't normally replace it. And it is a much heavier-duty, I think it's, it's EPDM the, rubber the or, or metal, and those are designed to go even longer, so you don't have to replace those. But the vast majority of cars on the road are going to have the standard valve stems, and they will... They are prone to dry rot, right. and they will blow out. If they blow out, it's, it's the same as like, tire blowing exactly. out. <laughs> All exactly. the air is coming out real fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls? So we'll be glad to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking about old tires and all that stuff, and age gets to a lot of things. Most maintenance items on a car have a mileage that people are well aware of. Right. And like, a lot of them also have an age attached. That most people aren't aware of. Aren't aware of. And the age, in some cases, really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Right. For instance, let's take a spark plug. It really doesn't matter a whole lot if this plug is one year old or ten years old. It's going to fire so many times. Each time it fires, a little metal is going to erode away, and eventually it's going to be worn out. But the age is not going to really affect that a whole lot. It's going to be miles. Correct. So at 100,000 miles, it's fired about as many times as it's going to fire. In fact, in our experience, at about 80,000. <laughs> By 100, it's, it's ain't going to go no more. But the age really doesn't make a whole lot of difference there. Uh-huh. But now there are other items that the age is more important than the miles. miles. One of the most common that I can think of is coolant, engine coolant. Most of the newer cars, like General Motors, for instance, they will say five years or 100,000 miles. Correct. Well, only thing people hear is the 100,000 miles. Right. And (laughs) it may take six, eight years to get 100,000 miles. That's right. But that coolant is 100,000. 100% 100% depleted in five years. Right. That's a chemical reaction that happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's correct. 
In fact, there's some evidence to suggest it may occur faster when it's not being operated okay. than when it is. But it's occurring regardless, and people tend to overlook that. We see that all the time. People uh-huh. come in, they have got major, major cooling system problems. The intake gaskets are leaking, the radiator's leaking, the heater core is leaking water inside the car. Or worse yet, it comes in, the radiator's leaking. Mm-hmm. Radiator gets changed. Two weeks later, it's back, the heater core's leaking. Right. Two weeks later, right. it's back, the intake's leaking. Right. Nobody understands why this is happening. Right. Because what has happened is that the vehicle is eight, nine years old. Now, yeah, it's only got 80,000 miles. Right. But that coolant really doesn't care if it's going around or sitting there. It's going to age. It's going to, the pH is going to turn acidic. acidic. And when it does, it's going to start attacking the metal in the system. Now, what happens many times is, in your example, the radiator may be the first part that springs a hole. Correct. Well, you go in, you replace the radiator, and thinking you're doing a good job, you flush it all out real good. Well, what you did is flushed out the corrosion, the crud, and the sludge that was holding it together because <laughs> the damage is already done. And so the next week of spot just pops out two weeks later, and then a month, two weeks later after that, the next week of spot. And, of course, it's, I guess, inviting to blame whoever changed the radiator for all the problems, unless you change it yourself, which is you can't blame yourself. That's it. <laughs> You blame it on cheap parts or whatever you want to do. But the fact is, the damage was already done. And the way cars are designed today, everything is made of aluminum. Mm -hmm. Everything is lighter than it used to be back 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, you could get by with that. Everything was solid cast iron. Yeah, like cast iron. You even had copper and brass radiators, which that was very inert-type materials. But you got a highly reactive material in aluminum. And aluminum is much lighter than copper or brass. And probably it's cheaper. a lot in cheaper, the, yeah. than, and it conducts heat just about as well. Right. So it's a good material from the standpoint of the automakers, a lot cheaper than copper or brass. Sure. And I guess what they say, OSHA and EPA, the old copper and brass radiators were soldered together, which took lead, which you can't afford to have a man working around lead in this country. Cause right. The safeguards involved, it costs $100,000 for a radiator. <laughs> have to have guards and shields all around and everything else. Yeah. So they use an aluminum radiator with a plastic tank and a big rubber O-ring. And that's fine for about 8 to 10 Maybe, years. Yeah. That's about all the life you're going to get out of one of them. It's not going to last life in a car like it used to. But the point is, if you let that coolant go beyond the five years, you are doing damage. At Definitely. five years, it is at seven at best, maybe below seven on pH, so it's become acidic, and it is damaging the system. If you wait until you get to 100,000 miles, you're probably not going to make it without major, major, major repairs. We've had vehicles come in that weren't, wasn't feasible to fix yeah, because I, the cooling system had eaten the whole system up. That is one part that will literally total the car. Right. Because it, it is so intrusive, it goes into so many components, and so many of them involve a huge amount of labor. Like, for instance, the heater core generally involves removing the dash from the car. Right. Which can be a 10- to 12-hour job in some cases. Oh, yeah. It's very unnerving to open the doors and see the back of the firewall. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So a very expensive repair. And the thing is, I guess the point is, all 100% preventable. Correct. Just read the maintenance specifications carefully and take into mind that the time is more important, at least as important and more important in many cases. And if you're using the maintenance schedule in the back of your owner's manual, always use a severe maintenance schedule, not the normal. Well, and what happens is that folks don't understand when they say severe, well, I'm not severe, I'm normal. No, everybody thinks they're normal. But if you read their definition of normal service, it really is ideal service and severe is pretty much normal service for most people. Correct. 
So you're right. You're probably going to come closer using a severe schedule than you are using a normal schedule. But if you are going to use a normal schedule, remember that those recommendations are pretty much the maximum. That's not middle of the road with a lot of buffer. That is mm-hmm. maximum. They are pushing those as far as they possibly can simply because they get rated on those. Right. Consumer reports and all those guys say, oh, this one has more needs less maintenance than this one. So they give them a better rating. And they know that. These guys so are they, dumb. They fudge. They're the, gonna fudge those numbers to the right. absolute maximum. So if so you they, go to the maximum, you may be okay. If you exceed the maximum, you are definitely not gonna be okay. That's right. And that's just one of those types of things. Another thing is a timing belt on a car. Oh, timing belts are something that most people overlook until they got a problem. Well, we've got two of them in there right now. Uh, One last week that went to the junkyard. Nice little prelude. Had to go to the junkyard because the timing belt broke. Tore the engine up. the pistons. And the car just wasn't worth putting a new motor in. Nice little car, but just wasn't worth putting a new motor in. Uh Uh-huh. So it ended up going to the boneyard. Another one in there this week, a little PT Cruiser, and it's a lot nicer little car a little bit newer seems like to me it was like a 2000 model maybe so maybe 2001 so yeah 11 you know 10 years old low mileage only about seventy thousand miles on it but it's 10 years old right the age got it and the timing belt has jumped timing and the car wouldn't start now we're going to try putting a belt on it to see what happens the owner came by we discussed it and we said we can try there's no way to know without taking the motor apart and that would cost a whole lot more than trying to put a belt on and see if it runs. So we're going to try that. But, you know, that's about a four or $500 gamble because oh, you, put, you put a time belt on it and all the valves are bent. It starts popping and coughing and all that. Well, then you're done. Right. If you put a time belt on it, it runs. Well, that's great. You just had the inconvenience and the expense dodge of having to change it. Yeah. But, yeah, you dodge another bullet. So that's another one of those things that's more time-related than miles. Correct. And a lot of them have, like, a recommendation of 105,000 miles now. But if you put 105,000 miles in one year, that timing belt would still look almost like brand new. Sure it would. But if you put 50,000 miles in 10 years, it's done. Right, it's a rubber, <laughs> Seven years is pretty much life of it's that. It's a rubber component. That's right. And rubber breaks down. We see that an awful lot with elderly people just because elderly people have a car they normally don't drive as much as, say, younger people do. So we, we get that quite a bit where they'll come in and they, they have a 2,000-model Toyota Camry. Uh-huh. Well, it's only got 35,000 miles on it. Right. Car still looks like brand new, still smells like brand new inside. Right. Excellent, excellent condition, except you got to remember 2000 was 11 years ago. <laughs> That's hard to believe 2011 <laughs> years ago. It, it is it? for me, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a fact nonetheless. And a lot of these folks are just riding around waiting for something to happen. Right. So one of those recommendations that we make an awful lot and a lot of times help prevent somebody having a major, major, major problem. So Always consider that age along with the mileage recommendation. That's the reason the manufacturers give you both. Correct. And, and you know, something else about a timing belt you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. When you have a timing belt done, mm-hmm. you need to go ahead and change whatever it's driving. If it's driving the water pump, mm-hmm. you need to change that now while you're in there because you're paying the labor to go in there. That's right. And the seals, the seals are the same age as the belt. That's They're right. They're going to get hard. Mm-hmm. So if you change all that stuff now. You do it all in one shot. You pay the labor to go in. Right. You won't have to go back in when the water pump goes out or when one of the seals start leaking. Well, how often do we see, because there's a lot of dealerships in town that I guess they're trying to act like they're saving you money, and they'll quote you a price on a timing belt like $350 or $400. Right, a whole lot cheaper than wow, everybody man, else that's, in town. Everybody else wants $700 to $800, $900. Man, that's a good deal. Well, all that is is what they call a belt slap. They're going to take time cover off, slap the belt on, put the cover on, hand it back to you. Exactly. 
And we are seeing a huge number of those coming in. And what's happening? Man, I got an oil leak on my car. Okay. It's coming out from under the timing cover. Well, man, I just had a time belt change. You pull it out. The seal's an old seal. Well, now this seal has blown out. It leaked all, all over the brand new belt. Guess so now what? you're doing the entire job. So you basically just threw $400 away. That's right. And now you're spending $800 to fix it right anyway. Right. So, I mean, so you're how, out 12 how, instead yeah, of the 8. That's right. You got it done right the first time. That's plus your inconvenience. Or Correct. the water pump starts leaking a year later. Well, now you're doing the whole job over again. While you were there, that water pump was sitting right there. That's right. You already paid the labor. Yeah, well, even two-tenths once you're in there, mm-hmm. two-tenths plus to the water pump would be a great deal. That's right. That's right. Just a whole lot cheaper to do it that way. Hey, let's go back and catch the phone. We got Herbert online. Good morning, Herbert. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. The rubber brake hose is on the front. Yes, sir. How long do you recommend on those? I like to inspect those, Herbert. As a general rule, I find they're going to make 10 years pretty easy. If you go on my website, there's really going to be an article on brake hoses called Brake Hoses Can Bury You. Right. And it gives you all that information. What we do is take the hose, flex it, and see if there are any visible cracking in it. Also, just take your bare finger and rub it on that hose. And if your finger comes back black, then that rubber starts to oxidize. It's time to change it. Okay. And I don't care if it's one year or 100 years. If you rub your finger on that hose and the rubber's breaking down and it turns your finger black, you need to change it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hoses are, brake hoses are, I guess, one of those things that's because of their nature, they're pretty safely built. Their number of plies, if you ever take a brake hose and cut it across, cross-section-wise, you can see that hose is probably almost a half inch in diameter on the outside, and that hole on the inside is probably less than an eighth of an inch. It's got a lot of rubber and a lot of plies there. So they're not quite as dangerous as some of the other things are, but they do break down. What we see a lot is you hit the brakes and it dives in the other lane, and the inner lining has started breaking down, and it acts like a little flap valve in there. We get that quite a bit. Our one wheel will start getting hot on you. Right. we also seen, especially on the old Chevy trucks, the there was a bracket that bolted to the control arm, mm-hmm. and the rust would build up in the bracket, and as the rust expanded, it would contract the hose right. and cause a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of things like that you need to look out for. All righty. All righty. I appreciate it. Okay, All right, Herbert, thanks for calling, man. Sir. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. we still got a few minutes. Go ahead and give us a call. Just in case you just don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you after the show. That's right. You can always go to the website and get your questions answered there. Right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O. 
A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night from mm. the site and get your questions answered. That's Should right. you have a particular question that maybe you want a little bit more information on or just don't really want to search the site for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And you know, I always invite questions just because when people do send me a question that's not on the site already, I always add it. That's how I get ideas of what things to add. Got one the other day, guy asked me, he said, I've got an older car with high mileage. Should I switch the type of oil that uh-huh. I'm using? So no, uh, the, the recommendation of oil is good for the life of the car. It's sort of a misconception about putting a thicker oil in an old car is going to help it. Right. It might boost the oil pressure, which is undesirable. You don't need higher oil pressure. you got more than adequate oil pressure with the original oil. But it throws more oil up on the cylinder walls, which is harder to control. Not only that, but you may pump more oil up the top of the engine, and an old engine may be a bit sludged up, may not run down quite as fast. So it's not desirable to put a thicker oil in an old car. It's an old wives' tale. I don't know where that started. It's kind of stuck, one of those yeah. things that falsehoods, urban legends, whatever you want to call it, that's just kind of stuck over the years. Right. But yeah, you want to stay with the oil that you've been using for the life of the car. Particularly the same brand you've been using. That's right. If you don't want to start switching between brands for the mm-hmm. mere fact that each brand has a different additive pack. And that's right. They're some, not all compatible right. one with another. I know my mom went to her doctor the other day for a physical and Mom be 90 years old in yeah. November and still in excellent, excellent health. Can outdo most people. I'll do me most. <laughs> <laughs> and she was asking about, should I change my diet? Absolutely not. So we never change an old person's diet. <laughs> if you're eating chocolate every day, just keep on doing it because whatever it is, it's working, it's working good for you. That's right. And the same thing with your car. You want to go ahead and stay with what you've been using. Right. And you see it. I see it a lot when we're doing an oil change on uh-huh. a particular vehicle. A car has been two or three different places. Mm-hmm. To get the oil change, and they got two or three, three different, different types, types of oil. That's correct. Uh, sometimes the wrong grade of oils in them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the filters are, like you said, a white box filter. Yeah, cheap junk you got filter. to be really careful. That's right. When you get your oil change, an older car actually needs better care than a new car. Correct. I see we got a bunch of phone calls right here at the end of the show. <laughs> see how right. many we can catch. We got Ray online. Good morning, Ray. Uh, good morning, Lewis. Yes. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. A couple questions for you. I've got an 04 F one fifty small V eight. Okay. I bought this truck used. I have no idea if the spark plugs have ever been changed. It's got right around 130,000 miles wow. on it, so i got to uh, guess that they Ray, have you been need, changed. You need to find out, is that a 4.6 liter or a 5.4 liter? 4.6. Okay, 4. 6. if it's 4.6, okay. you're in good shape. I would probably just pull a few out, look at them. You can measure the gap on it, and you can tell if they're old or not. And you can also inspect where the base of the plug and the ceramic come together. You don't want to see any little red marks there because that's compression leaking around the ceramic, which will end up burning the coal pack up. And honestly, obviously, if you don't want to do it yourself, you know, we can do it for you. The four back plugs in that engine are an absolute bear to get out. That's but the right. four front ones are real easy. So pull and, one or two of the front ones and look at them. And if you don't know the history on the vehicle, somebody may have done a sunny side tune up on it, too. <laughs> may have changed four easy ones. The four easy ones and <laughs> left the other four alone because the ones in the back are a bear to get out. That's right. If I was going to check them, I would probably take one of the back ones out. Right. One of the easier of the back ones to get out and check it. Depending on how far you want to go, you may just go ahead and just slap a set well, of plugs the in reason it being take right, them out. If you're waiting for it to start idling rough or you're waiting for the mileage to fall off and all that, I hear that all the time. Well, I ain't got no problems. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, let me tell you what happens. On that engine, like any modern engine, when the plug wears out, the computer knows that, so it just increases the duty cycle of the call. It increases the burn time, gives it more fire. What you're going to see, you're never going to see it start running rough. You're never going to see it start idling bad. You're never going to see your mileage fall off. What you're going to see is all the calls burn up, and you've got to put eight calls on it at about 200 bucks a crack. 
mm-hmm. to save a set of spark plugs. Okay. So I would definitely get that check before you start burning the calls up on it. How much, uh, what do y'all charge to do that? I don't quote prices on air. Ray, just give me a call at shop. It's about the same as everybody else charges. Okay. One other thing. Mm-hmm. The other day, I noticed there was oil underneath the differential okay. in the truck. Mm-hmm. And climbed under there, pulled the plug out. It, well, it looked like it was leaking out the seal where the drive shaft was. Yes, sir. In. Right. Opinion seal. Pretty common on those. Is it? I pulled the plug out, but I don't have any way to get the thing up in the air, and I'm on my back mm-hmm. and just sticking my finger in the hole. Couldn't really feel anything. Yeah, what happens, Ray, it's going to leak, and then when it leaks down to a certain level, it's going to quit leaking, but it's going to burn the rear end up. Uh-huh. When you take the plug out, it should come running out. Okay. So if it's not, it's low now. Well, I went and put some in it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I spilled most of it trying to get it in there. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. But I filled it up, so uh, I guess I probably need to, and I and I haven't seen any puddles underneath the truck since then. Yeah, so. generally, once you fill it up, it'll start leaking again. It probably quit because all all it leaked down below the level of the seal, and it's going to probably start leaking again now. It may take it a few days. What you want to be extremely careful of, Ray, if you start to hear a whining noise, like when you accelerate, sort of a kind of a noise, mm-hmm. it's going to start out subtle, and it's going to get worse. If you hear that, most of the time, when that front seal starts to leak, the reason it's leaking is because the bearing behind it has failed and that pinion shaft is wobbling and that's what beats the seal out. If you go in and put a new seal in there, it's going to last about a week to a month and it's going to start leaking again and then the gears are going to tear up and you're going to end up with a $2,000 repair bill on your hands. Right now, all you're into is a set of seals seals and, and, bearings. and bearings. You don't have to change the gear set right now if it's right. not making noise. Right. But when but, the gear set starts making noise, you figure another $500 on top uh, of whatever thing about else. Eight, about $800. Is it eight now? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Plus a set of axles if, if right. it eats the axles up. Because what lubricates the axles on that truck is that the center of that differential holds enough oil to barely reach the bottom of that tube. And every time you turn a corner, a little bit of oil goes out to that bearing. When that oil level gets low, those axle bearings do not get any oil. And so you add a couple more axles in there at about 400 bucks a piece. You see where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. It's right. real expensive real fast. A simple seal leaking right. could, could turn into a whole rear end. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to be talking to you all. Okay, man. All right, sir. All right, Ray. Bye. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. I right, you want to be part of the automotive. Right, we're going to see how many more calls we can catch. Hey, Don, can you make it fast? Yeah, you got me there, Lewis? Yes, sir. Gotcha. Yeah, I called you last week, and I wanted to thank you. You pointed me right direction, some old GMC. Uh-huh. I think they call that thing a thermoelectric linear actuator. There you go. Hey. <laughs> Luke, Luke Gizmo, uh, they called that so they get more money for yeah. it. <laughs> $105. Yeah, ain't bad. About five minutes to change it, hey. but I did have four-wheel drive and didn't have to walk out through the hood. Uh, Luke, good good I, deal. I've enjoyed your show. Uh, Post office cancel my run. So oh, we'll man. I'll be hearing you. I got to go to Chicago. To oh, man. Week. Well, you know, you can go on the internet and download us. Uh, well, do y'all stream on the WJBO? Yes, we do. I, I may listen to you and give you a call from Memphis when I'm home on Saturday morning. There you go, really Don. Well, Thanks. you be safe on the road, yeah. man. You have a good day. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, bro. Oh, Don's a truck driver who had to run through Baton Rouge. Right. Just happened to come through this time. It, He'd listen every week yeah, to come yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. I remember him calling. Of course, you know, just in case you can't get to our area or whatever, you can always download our show off the website. Correct. Or any of the podcast sites. There's a bunch of those out there, and we're on most of them. Just type in Agco Auto Show or something like that on your podcast search forums, and you can listen to the entire show, and that is a little bit better signal than what you're going to get listening on the air. Gotcha. Simply because, number one, it's a digital signal rather than an analog signal like you're getting on your AM radio. Uh-huh. 
And not only that, but it's been edited, so all the commercials have been oh, taken out. That's great. Yeah, you get an Agco commercial <laughs> just to break up the segments. But there you they go. took all the commercials out and took all the uhs and ahs and the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that out of there. So you're actually getting a little bit better than you would get otherwise. So, the, only, the only thing is you can't call into the live show. Well, that's right, but you can but always... You can always- Set your alarm clock and call 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. There Get you on go. the radio anytime you want to. There you go. And you don't have to be listening. You'll be able to hear on. There you Wrong go. button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to do that and uh-huh. give us a call. And, of course, if you send us an email, we'll put that question on the air as well. So it's all kind of ways to interact with us. Great. Go on the website. Send me an email there. I'll get your questions answered for you. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week also. That's right. Tell your friends. Let's get some more people listening. That's right. Need as many as we can possibly get. That's it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. <laughs>